Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. Across the UK, online and on DAB. <laughs> Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. Femba can go to hell. Topical talk, outspoken opinion and inspirational conversation on the hour of Badass Power. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators but no one compares. Minter, Campbell and Sexton are your all new Saturday night super squad. Badass Women's Hour on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. One, two, three, four. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, and all the opinions we can muster here on Talk Radio. If you're wondering why Harriet Minter sounds like a hot, brilliant black woman, it's because it's actually me, Natalie Campbell, and I'm your host today. H is unwell and we're sending her all our love. But as always, I'm joined by my fabulous co-host, creative entrepreneur and founder of Make Your Words Work, Emma Sexton. And making her co-host debut with us today is Nimco Ali, anti-FGM campaigner. Welcome, Nimke. Thank you very much. (laughs) So as always, we're covering the big news stories of the week and Stacey Solomon is our badass of honour. As always, we're tackling your badass bulls-ups and we have a backdated badass, a woman from history that you absolutely need to know about. But first up, Emma, what's your news story this week? Well, you can't fail to send all the stories around the Harvey Weinstein. Am I saying his name right? Weinstein? Yeah, Weinstein, Weinstein um, case. And I think what it's brought to light is just how silenced we are uh, as women when these um, these experiences happen to us as men. And all these stories coming out is a prime example. But what's really interesting is uh, a campaign that's happening on Twitter and happening today is uh, the hashtag women boycott Twitter. And this was about women standing in solidarity against the actress Rose McGowan, who has... With Rose McGowan. With Rose... Against Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, what did I say? Against Rosie. Oh, oh, sorry. Standing with... Standing with Rose McGowan uh, because she has uh, allegedly, um, I think she did. She saying that she was allegedly raped by Harvey. Yes. So, but her twi- her Twitter account actually got taken down. So there's been big uproar about her being silenced mm. and why is she silenced mm. and not people like Donald Trump silenced, even though they're violating the same kind of Twitter laws. But I just think it's a really interesting thing, and I, I'm struggling with this hashtag because I'm like, well, we've already been silenced enough, and you can see this already in the news stories and now we're saying actually let's come off a platform that is a platform that does allow us to have a voice and put these things out so yeah I don't know what you're if you've seen this Twitter Nimco you're all over platforms like Twitter 
there are women that are saying we should stand in solidarity and leave the platform. But as someone that uses it prolifically yeah. and has experienced backlash, what, what are your thoughts? Um, no, no, I don't necessarily agree with this because I think one of the things is that we can flood a platform. So I would rather start rather than boycotting and flooding Twitter with support and stories because they can't necessarily ban us all. And ultimately, if we're trying to get Twitter to change their narratives, but yet at the same time giving them press. So I think this is kind of going to backfire. And I always think it's about working with people and working and, and actually challenging these things. So somebody like Twitter, which is a massive institution and gives um, voice to people that don't necessarily have voice. One of the things is the fact that it's the it's the only direct way where you can actually contact world leaders. So yeah. Twitter is powerful. Yeah. And as a platform, it has a great responsibility. So I think I would rather work with Twitter and have this conversation and actually show them how important we are to be on their platforms and for them to be supporting us than boycotting it. And there's also a different narrative to the fact that there's a lot of um, women, um, there's a lot of women from um, the African, um, the black African, um, African-American African community talking about the fact that where they went still with solidarity. So I think there's a lot of issues with that. So for me, I don't think it's something that I would do and I don't think it's something that I could necessarily um, take part in but I, th- that doesn't mean that I don't support sisters that are doing that mm. so I wanted to just kind of I think there's clear. irony in using a platform like Twitter to set up a hashtag which is the you know the, <laughs> the baseline of what Twitter is for to say let's boycott a platform like mm. Twitter and for me having a voice and being able to say this thing happened and broadcast it to millions of people is much more important than saying actually let's step back and leave this platform and leave all of the men with this airtime and this space to be uncorrected um but I do, it, it, it really is about taking it directly to Twitter and saying, this is fundamentally not right. You are saying it is right for a man to wage war yeah. on another country, but a woman that is just sharing her own truth, we, we, we weren't there, but her own truth, you're silencing her? Mm. What does that mean for who you are and everything that you say in terms of ethics? And, and, and that, for me, is more important. And using Twitter as the platform to do that is, is, is much more important as opposed to saying, well, let's, let's back off. And I think it comes back to the whole ethics of campaigning because I think everybody wants to be really purist in a sense. And this is some of the things that I get sometimes when I work with a lot of the Conservative Party, I work with other kind of different platforms. I, I'm not a member of the a certain political party, but it's like you have to work with people to kind of change. So if those in power need to listen to you, I don't think like, you know, turning away from them is the way forward. No, not with Twitter. Not when you can't vote with your wallet. It's different when you can vote with yeah. money. But Twitter is a free platform. So I'd, yeah, yeah, yeah. So leading on from stories on different platforms, uh, my story of the week is that it was International Day of the Girl. Yay! Yay! Which is a brilliant celebration, celebrating uh, girls, but also women and and talking about our potential. It's connected um, to the United Nations. And it was actually, you know, I was was going through Instagram and I was looking on your feed and you posted a photo, a, a screenshot that you'd taken from Facebook. And it was a graphic of lots of women uh, all different shapes, sizes, professions, colours, hues, and it, you know, it was them being completely diverse. And because of some work I'm doing with Scope, and not just because of that, but it, I've made myself more aware, I actually thought, where are the women with disabilities? Where are the disabled women ultimately? And yes, they, they, there could have been a deaf woman in that photo, but I couldn't tell. And I thought with all of the work that we're doing, in terms of intersectionality, we're forgetting women. There are women that are left behind and we do all of this work talking about the gender pay gap, but there are actually women saying, I don't, I can't even get a job. 
I'm a disabled woman and I am locked out of the workforce. And the, what I wanted to reference on, on this was that Scope have um, released a campaign called Work With Me, which is about getting a million disabled people into the workforce. And if we're talking the law of, of averages, 50% of that should be women. Mm. So with, if, we, if we say half a million women, half a million disabled women are locked out of the workforce, we need to remember them when we're doing International Day of the Girl and we're celebrating women because I think we celebrate women with our own lens of being able bodied women yes it's almost like we've got we've got much better at having talking about gender and then we're fast tracking the diversity conversation but you're right it's like we're totally forgetting disabilities and when we had this discussion today I was like god even I'm guilty guilty of this in terms of not I've been working on I've been working on the international campaign for the last three years and it's really interesting the fact that it's never really crossed my mind that even was it Save the Children last year did a conversation about the most left behind children and I said oh it's girls are the most left behind but within that context disabled children and this is the thing it's about it's about girls mm. it's not about women so it's about the most vulnerable in society okay. and it's girls and then it's disability so yeah I'm I'm so guilty of that and it's something that I hadn't even come up like you know until somebody else also pointed out to me as well so we're going to remember the disabled women and girls in this conversation um, and make sure that we're keeping our own intersectionality lens fully, fully, fully on this. Uh, leading on to you, Nimco, what's your story this Yeah, week? so my story is about um, Dove, the... Um, the shampoo the, the shampoo the body wash the soap um that company and also this um so this insensitive um campaign that they've seemed to have run around um along on their facebook platform so basically the, i'm not sure if you've seen it but the campaign is a woman of color of dark complexion and she takes off her shirt and then another woman appears and is a very pale um ginger woman so there was a lot of outrage around that looking at like the kind of the, the racial kind of context but the actual um woman the, the model in the um advert has spoken out and talked about how necessarily that that wasn't the intention behind it and how the full um, campaign really talks about celebrating women and celebrating diversity. Yeah, she had a lot of positive words to say about Dove and the campaign and they mm. all understood the concept. But I was when I read her article, I was like, well, fair enough. But the trouble was that when that campaign was, so, was seen by people who were looking at it cold mm. and yeah. didn't understand the concept, it was offensive. Yeah. And, you know, what happened in that kind of process? And this is your world. This is the world that you operate yeah, in when you're I'm sitting ju- at the table. Yeah, and I'm just like, you know, these ads get tested and... Uh, you know, I just thought it was a massive fail on Dove's behalf. And is it diversity or intent and meaning? Mm. So I'm guessing you know they were sitting there thinking, this is great. We are representing all women. And she thought this was great and as well because she, she was like, too. I'm a dark woman. I'm never represented. And this is amazing that Dove, a massive brand, are doing this. Yeah. But then actual in, in delivery, in execution... It fell flat. Yeah. And then, but advertising is so powerful. And the, there's a campaign that happened this week that, you know, has had the opposite effect, which is the, you know, one of our favourites. Is it Chris Hughes from yeah. Love Island? Yes. And there was this really sort of weird marketing campaign where it came out that he was selling bottles of water and there were Chris's tears in this bottle of water. <laughs> and then it turns out that it was created for um, World Mental Health Day to talk about men uh, bottling up their feelings. And I I just thought it was a really clever campaign. Mm. They really understood their market. They really created a campaign that got people thinking in a different way. And I'm loving the fact that there's this, you know, this new generation of men that are coming through and brands are championing these guys who are really going to create culture change because advertising is so powerful. 
Yeah. Tell us, what do you think? No, so the question is whether we need more diversity within the advertising um, industry or whether we just need people that know their briefs. And I necessarily, I actually think it's just people that know their briefs and people that are able to work with um, those that are on the ground working on racism and somebody with working in mental health. I think that's the whole thing is about yeah. engaging with sectors. Yeah. Is it a case of knowing your brief? Is it a case of just getting it right first time? Tell us what you think. You can find us on Twitter and all the socials, Badass Women's Hour. That's HR at the end. So next up, we're joined by Loose Women star, TV presenter and all-round national gem, Stacey Solomon. Stay tuned for that and more here on Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB. <laughs> Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. On Talk Radio, she'll get you talking. Welcome back to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, and all the opinions we can muster, and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Natalie Campbell, and I'm joined by my co hosts, Emma Sexton and Nimco Ali. So we have the wonderful, the fabulous Stacey Solomon joining us Woo! in the studio now. Woo! Stop it! <laughs> Loose Women Star and National Gem. Stacey, oh. welcome. What a beautiful introduction. <laughs> I can hear that every day. <laughs> Happy belated birthday. Yeah. I'm a Libra as well. Yes. Yeah. We're well, like this, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Well, so yeah. they say. Standard. <laughs> okay. Um, so, Stacey, I'd like to take you back for a moment and introduce you to our listeners. Oh. Hello. Hi. And what's oh, your God. name? Stacey. Stacey. Where are you from, Stacey? <laughs> Dagno. No. <laughs> um, and how old are you, Stacey? I'm 19. What's the dream here? 19. Oh, to win this. Yeah? Are you any good? I hope so. <laughs> you who's might not think so. Who, who's told you you're good? Sometimes my mum does. <laughs> my friends, obviously. Yeah? You got friends here today? No, yeah, I have. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> better, better say I've got friends. What do you yeah. say? Um, what a wonderful world. Great. Okay. Thank you. So, we all <laughs> so know what cute. that is. Tell us about that moment, because that was the start of the career. That was one of the best moments of my life, one of the best experiences of my whole life. People who come out of X Factor often want to f- remove themselves from the show and sort of move on. I am so proud of where I came from. Yes. I had, you can't imagine what it was like being this girl who thought, I'll probably just about get into college to study what I <laughs> want to study. <laughs> then getting voice coach lessons from Whitney Houston. Yeah. and Mar- I mean, it was just a dream come true. And I never in a million years thought I'd have that opportunity. It is the best thing that's ever happened to me, minus my children, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I would not be able to do any of the stuff that I've I've been able to achieve and, and do today without that show and it means everything to me that is brilliant and since then you've obviously you're a loose woman loose, or you're on loose women not a loose <laughs> I'm woman I'm also a loose woman you've been on the jump and I'm a celebrity get me out of here um, I think my question is do you like putting yourself through pain? Because, I mean, <laughs> you're eating some sheep's eyes. And they do, like, It's a funny thing, you know. I, again, I think it comes down to what I expected my life to have become because of my circumstances. And when I did The X Factor, um, it gave me a whole of host of opportunities like I'm a celebrity I mean not when would I ever qualify to go on I'm a celebrity <laughs> ever so when they offered it to me I was like hell yeah I'm going I'm going to do it um, I like to live 
Yeah. And I've had the opportunity and been so lucky to try things and do things that I never dreamed I'd be able to do. I've, so I rarely say no <laughs> to an opportunity. We were looking at your career and we were like, oh my God, she's like a total badass. Yeah. She's doing things like the jump, celebrity, just the confidence you had in that audition. Like, where does that come from? You definitely have this like inner like badass that's just like you're just not afraid to say what you think and being just be 19 helps <laughs> yeah <laughs> being 19 years old definitely helps. um i don't know i think i am authentic to myself and i really believe in who i am as a person so everything else is just fluff i'm really happy of the the person that i've become and the human that i am and my morals and values so I have that confidence in myself that even if I'm a bit rubbish at something or I'm not as talented as somebody else at something, I know that everything I do is with the best intentions and the best heart. So you can only go in yeah. and enjoy it. And, and where, I, does, where, does that, where does that come from, though? Because that's not natural. A lot of people find that really hard to have that, like, you know, lo- loving yourself in that non-arrogant way where you can just mm. really enjoy life. I don't think it's ever arrogant to love yourself. And I think that's a problem that we have in, especially in British culture, where we kind of, someone comes out really confident and sure of themselves and we're like, oh God, they're a bit up themselves or full of themselves. And I just think that's an, that's a problem. We should all be celebrating the fact that somebody believes in themselves and is confident. Definitely, I'm privileged in the fact that I had great parents and not everybody is privileged in that front. And they taught me the value and the meaning of life and not money and not material things and so I've been able to enjoy and appreciate life in a way I might not have had the opportunity to had I had different upbringing. And talking about um, loving yourself I just wanted to kind of bring it back to the amazing work that you do about body confidence Mm. and like where does that come from the fact that you are on a massive platform and people will just kind of take the praise that they get for kind of like you know images that are out there but but, but for you to correct it and give confidence to other girls out there I think that's amazing if you want to just I think with the opportunities I've been given comes a great moral obligation to be honest with people and to make sure that they're not um, being not lied to but you know having the wall pulled over their eyes about what is actually going on in the industry I am a size 8 to 10 woman and I do not look like a smooth you know (laughs) airbrushed perfect person that you see everywhere but I love my body and it works it's healthy I eat well I exercise moderately like I walk a lot I don't do do much of anything else but you know I'm I'm a healthy please God a healthy human being and um I should be happy with my body but society does make me feel like I should have this perfect streamline mm. no bumps pert boobs body and, and, and I think my body confidence comes from the fact that I want to inspire and aspire other uh, people not yeah. just women because I have two sons so yeah. it, it applies to them also um, I want them to aspire to a realistic goal rather than one that is set for them that is almost um, CGI. Yeah. You I know. was scrolling through your Instagram and I loved the fact that you would post a picture of yourself on, on a red carpet and you'd say, look, there's a filter on this. I've had someone doing my face for two hours. I've had a stylist. Someone's put me in this outfit. And it is, it's just that reality of what a lot of people pursue, assume is, it, you know, you woke up like this. I mean, yeah. I mean love the song, but most of us <laughs> do not wake up like but that. But it's okay if you do. If you wake up and you look like the girl in the magazine, that's great. But it's also okay yeah. to wake up and look like a scarecrow. <laughs> yeah. It's all right. You know, it's about accepting that everyone's different. And yeah. they're like, I mean, even like, look at me. 
<laughs> got a belly out. I've decided to show my midriff at this point. <laughs> Instantly regretting it. But <laughs> it's We're okay. Not. It's radio, it's radio. I don't see any models. Yeah. You even in, when you see curvy models, I don't see any of this normal mm. kind of you know the belly roll when you sit down. Yes. where is that? Come yeah. on, and yeah. the hips, the muffin yeah. tops. I tried on an outfit the other day, which I am going to wear as my Halloween costume after much deliberation to myself. <laughs> I tried it on and realised that my muffin tops literally sink over the side. <laughs> Had they have shown me that picture when I was purchasing the outfit, yeah. I might have been well equipped to deal with what it looked like when it came. However, I wasn't. I was like, hold on a second. This is not what it looked like on the on the website. So I think it's about educating people and, and being honest with people. And it, there are people that are straight up and downs and that's great. Mm. But there's also people that aren't. So let's yeah. have a bit of diversity. You know, I think that's amazing. I, well, anyway, for somebody that's like, you know, struggled with their body confidence and people are like, oh, think about you. Oh, you're brave. You're doing all these things. But to be honest about that, I think it's one of the most powerful things. And mm. I can just say congratulations. Thank you for doing that. Because no. there's so many people that whose who, whose lives you will impact in saying things like that. Thank you. That's yeah. such a lovely thing to say. What's been a career highlight for you? Like you've like you say, you've had these amazing opportunities that you didn't expect. Like what's been a career highlight? There's been lots of career highlights for me. Um, one most recent one was doing Loose Women Body Stories. Yeah. That was a real highlight for me because not only did I get to do something that I genuinely cared about and really felt that I wanted a voice on, I also, it gave me an opportunity to hear from other people and to see these women that I look at, that I admire, that I look up to, who are intelligent, smart, funny incredible women all go through the same phases of life and thoughts and emotions that that I do Um, and I learned a lot about myself and I think that's the best kind of achievement is when you grow as a person and you almost take on extra parts that you can add to your character and, and, and your being and you're like okay this is great I've took so much away from that and Body Stories did that a lot for me. Do you think you also have a a different sort of confidence because you're a mum? And you, when you go home of an evening, you have two kids that then completely take you out of the busyness of being this person outside the front door and you come home and it's like life is just normal. I've got to get them up. We've got to do it. There are definitely children for me keep me grounded, but it's all very personal mm. for me. Having becoming a mum gave me two things. It gave me one, this instinct to be strong and survive and literally lion my kids you know exactly but it also gave me severe anxiety about the fact that I had this huge responsibility and these these human beings that are now in my care that I have to look after and provide for and always be here for so it's a double-edged sword on the one hand you feel like you've literally just pushed a baby out of your vagina (laughs) you're the strongest (laughs) most incredible thing alive and on the other hand you're like I am so vulnerable and anything can happen to me and and, and what about my kids and you know So it's a bit of a, a bit of both, I'd say. Nice. So, um, as you said that, I was thinking about uh, Nimco because yeah. uh, Nimco has spent a lot of time defending vaginas and every woman's right to, um, I guess, not have their bodies violated in any way. And I think we don't actually talk about the power of our bodies mm-hmm. and ownership of our bodies and survival. And, and, the and fact survival. That, yeah, the fact that yeah, women are giving birth on a day-to-day basis, and some of them are not as lucky as we are in the West, and yes. all those other kind of conversations. I think celebrating that. I think so. Women are seen as the weaker sex, but you carry the ba- two babies for nine months. Mm-hmm. You push two babies. So it's yeah. I think it's. I think it's one of the things of the fact that we're not superhuman, but we are like 
I think the strongest sex oh, can, anyway. Can, can, I think we I are superhuman. superhuman. We yeah. can make we're, we're human women. So yeah, exactly. No, but that's the whole point. We can make them. We can carry them. And I think it's sometimes when I have the conversations about contra, contra, um, about contraception and birth control and all these things, it's about. And I go around the world and I see women giving birth. It's like we've been doing these for millennia. So when you talk about the fact that you are the most powerful thing by giving birth to this human being by mm-hmm. creating life. But yet at the same time, being humble enough to have the context to say, I now have to carry them forward. And my auntie um, always gives the best advice to my cousins and my sister-in-laws. And she says, the first six months, the best thing, the best mother you are is if you've not thrown yourself or the baby out the window, you're you're doing incredible. (laughs) But again, like Instagram and all these things give you this like perfect thing. So the fact that your body, uh, like, you know, so your body bounces back straight away. That's rubbish. It is. It's one Uh, of those things, though, that we do do constantly. We... Uh, we we like to put out the best version of mm. ourselves, whether it be looks, whether it be what we're doing, which is great, yeah. and I understand why. However, you are selling a disillusion to people. Mm. It is not always sunny side, and I'm amazing, yeah. and life is great. You know, it's it's sometimes actually you connect to more people by being honest yeah. about the downs and the, the difficulties you have in life than than you do by just pretending that everything's rosy all the time honesty mm. and vulnerability absolutely yeah. love it <laughs> so we're going to keep the lovely Stacey Solomon with us for a little while longer uh, because she's going to be staying with us for our badass balls ups where <laughs> we use our combined wisdom of over a hundred years and you've just added a year to that with your, your last birthday uh, of mistakes made lessons definitely not learnt and we're going to solve your problems and that's coming up after this break Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio She'll get you talking Here's a cool fact A crocodile can't stick out its tongue Another cool fact You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, and all the opinions we can muster here on Talk Radio. 
I'm Natalie Campbell and I'm joined by my fabulous co-hosts Emma Sexton and Nimco Ali. And joining us in the studio still is Stacey Solomon. <laughs> I love it here. <laughs> Should we just follow you around and just do that? Hell just, yeah, yeah, I'll come in <laughs> This is the section where we used our combined wisdom of over a hundred years of uh, lessons not learned, all of the rubbish that we've had to deal with to help you solve your problems so you don't have to go through the same thing. So problems this week who's starting yeah i'm feeling confident we've got stacy and nimco i'm feeling confident yeah, about too, our balls yeah. up this oh. week okay first one came um, via twitter from erica uh, this is a bit of a business like leadership one for you ladies here uh, erica says i just started a new management role and have four team members having never really managed this many people before how can i start off on the right foot and get them working with me and not against me any experience of leading Wing teams? Oh. Wing it. I was going to say, actually, <laughs> there are so many jobs I've been underqualified for, and I just go in there like I'm overqualified. I'm like, hell yeah. This job was made just for me. Okay, badass. No, I think I think winging it is a good thing. But I I remember so I was 26 when I first I had my first management thing. I was just thrown in, and I had to manage women that were a lot older than me. And I made the mistake of trying to get them to like me, not trying to get them to respect me and work together. Because I think them liking you will come, but ultimately they need to like you have to wing it to say, don't be like you know I am the boss, but in that kind of way of the fact that I'm confident to do this job. So I think work to gain the respect and to gain the authority as opposed to gaining friends mm. that I would be my best advice a tip that I've always done is I always take or I always used to take new team members out for an hour for a coffee and I'd really just make it all about them I'd really find out about them what motivated them what they wanted in their career progression and that always really helped because when you get to know them you know what they're interested in and then you can start to shape what your team mm. is doing according to where they're going to go and that's always worked really well for me yeah, I'm 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 with you on that one. I think I, I'm I'm with you on the wing it. It's just mm. stand there, think, right, do do I want this? Can I do this? And just roll with it. And it's almost that faking it till you make it. I know it's a cliche, but just pretend. Yeah. And then you'll wake wake up three months later and you're like, Oh, I'm I'm doing this thing. The thing that I didn't think I could do. And just look at all the managers that you've had that have just been really awful yeah, and just don't true. do anything that they did. Don't do them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Nimco, what's your balls up? So yeah, this my balls up is about uh, meeting culture. So this is from Sahara Zara from in, um, via Instagram. And she said, my company loves meetings. I know meetings are important, but I feel like we're wasting time that we could be spending on projects. How do I change this? God, mm. that's so common. Do you get stuck in loads of meetings when you're doing your I like, do. But I like to have a meeting. I enjoy the meeting culture and I enjoy I enjoy socialising. I feel mm. like that's probably the key to working your way up in this industry and getting mm. to where you want to be is to get on with people and to find out about them, like you said, and yeah. to know them. Um, but also, I always have found that if I've ever had a problem in a place where I work, even, you know, when I was working in a fish and chip shop, if I raised the issue, mm. it was people are always open to suggestion and new ideas. If you feel that something isn't productive and isn't working for your working environment, put a suggestion together. Yeah. Or encourage them to maybe get a suggestion box where people can leave their ideas and have like a, you know, a, a look through and see if people 
want to trial them out and 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 it might work i always think be honest with your employer because the most of the time they want their company to be doing better and their company only does well if you're happy yeah see i I feel like we're kinfolk it must be the libra thing (laughs) saying everything that i'm saying like i I have nothing to add stacy can't come in here one week and suddenly be favorite (laughs) sorry (laughs) it's it's the libra vibes libra vibes so wise so our last one um comes from Deanne and it's uh, via Facebook and she says sadly over the past two years I lost both my parents due to illness um other than uh having sadness from breaking up uh with a boyfriend um I'm not sure how to deal with it. These experiences have left me with extreme anxiety about my own health too. Every tiny ache, every cold, lump or pain terrifies me. How can I go back to being the happy, carefree person I once was, making sure at the same time I'm in good health? You need to go to CBT. I have struggled with health-induced anxiety. Fortunately for me, and it's awful to hear, I am not in the same position as you and I can't imagine what I would do if I lost the cruxes of my upbringing which are my parents that is a complete and utter trauma um and you need to deal with it uh, as to what it is it's a trauma and trauma needs addressing and it needs counseling and it needs help health induced anxiety is very common i learned i'm 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 literally make up my own health induced anxiety i make up things that are wrong with me i believe it's happening i get full of dread that you know something awful is happening and it's all made up in my own head cbt has been really helpful for me it is um cognitive behavioral therapy and it basically teaches you how to reprogram the way that you think so I used to see the letter C and automatically think of the word cancer Mm. and it teaches you to stop sending those signals from one part of your brain to the other and stop associating everything with the worst case scenario Um, there's other things as well that I tried that didn't work for me but could be really helpful to other people hypnotherapy Um, I also tried uh, um, E I want to say ET ETG oh. or is that the tapping one? Yeah, yeah yes, it's the I've heard um, about that. the eye where where the, yeah. the eye therapy. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, um, ENT, I oh, think it's called. Um, but CBT was the best. And if you're scared about seeing somebody, get a book about CBT and just study it, yeah. and you'll automatically start making changes. Mm. What were your triggers? Because I'm guessing for her, she might also, on top of having um, deaths in the family, she might just have trigger, triggers. So beyond seeing a C, it, were there other things that would happen and you, it would just put you into that, that place? It could be anything, to be honest. I think when you have anxiety, it can strike you at any time and it doesn't pick and choose. Most of the time it would be if somebody spoke about a family member or somebody I know getting ill or something happening I would automatically think oh god I could have anything right now Mm. Um, which is a really I mean I'm not going to say silly because it was real for me and it still is you know it doesn't ever go away Um, but it's not Effective. You can't enjoy your life when your when your brain is programmed that way. And anxiety is so powerful. I've had an anxiety disorder before, and it it really did frighten me the way that it just builds on top of the experience. And I really had this feeling that I was like being pulled into almost like a drain. I felt myself mm. spiraling down, and I really did think if I don't get a grip of this, 
I think I could really get myself into a really tricky situation. So anxiety is really powerful, but you're right, Stacey, there's lots of things that you can do, but it's about, yeah, getting that help pretty soon, I think. And just being honest with yourself, as we were saying. Yeah, no, I I, I completely agree with that. And I think we've we've all been in situations where the world has seemed to consume us. And I think grief is that first open door and then it's, it's really hard to come through it. And I was just saying that at the moment that my grandmother's not very well and it's the idea of the fact that I'm thinking about her dying as opposed to her actually enjoying the time we have and, and actually watching her live and so on so I think it is that conversation of first of all being honest with yourself and saying that this is not healthy and then mm. getting help but switching yeah. it around slightly how do you all make yourself happy what is what's your go-to happy place so if you feel anxiety coming on or even before that how do you put yourself in a happy place and what do you do so i I've, i don't know if you've heard about a thing called anchoring where you can do something or change change your state of mind from anchoring a positive thought to a thing so uh when i had a very difficult time I, when i felt really good i had a perfume i bought mm. a certain perfume and so whenever i spray that perfume i take a moment to smell in and that's my anchor for happiness and a yeah. good state of mind and that's a perfume i wear every day Stacey? do you know what if there's one good thing that's come out of having anxiety and health-induced anxiety is that I feel pretty great about everything because mm. my worst-case scenario is death. Yeah. <laughs> so unless point. I'm dying, yeah. I feel really... good. Yeah, everything for me, that's my dream, is to be alive every day. You know, yeah. like I feel very lucky for and grateful. And so I think when you catastrophize about the worst of the worst happening mm. everything else is blooming great yeah. Yeah. I'll take it yeah. <laughs> they say gratitude is the secret to happiness don't they yeah. being grateful like there's the gratitude thing where you say and like, forgiveness. and forgiveness I've learned to yeah. forgive myself I was I was always being super hard on myself and the whole point is like always not doing things perfectly so now I, when something fails and there's this project I was working on for four months and then the other day I got an email at 11 o'clock in the evening somebody pulling out and I literally just cried and I thought you know what it's okay you can't get everything you want you can't get everything mm. you want and then in the morning eight o'clock in the morning they changed their minds <laughs> so i don't know what <laughs> happened like... but ultimately i've learned to realize that nothing's always going to be perfect and forgive yourself for those things wise so, so wise again yeah, so week. wise so Love wise it. so Love Deanne, it. we've given you lots of advice there um so have some cbt and if you you're not sure about it grab a book that's the first step but also an important step that you've made is recognizing it and asking the question and asking what you can do about it if you're also thinking actually cbt is not right for me maybe find an anchor find something that makes you happy find you something that moves you out of that space but thank you so much for sharing your your question with us um i would also add uh, and this may or may not be for you rihanna get a rihanna playlist <laughs> she's you know she makes it she makes me happy she she grounds me she makes me have a good day so just adding that in there and, and maybe soundboard. a yeah a, a bejazzled uh, hip flask is the other thing again oh, connected yeah. to rihanna not a bejazzled a bejazzled a bejazzled <laughs> yes because you got me the guys thinking about vaginas and stuff so yeah I'd get, I'd get myself a hip flask so thank you very much for all of your questions if you want to share or, or ask us uh, anything you know where to find us on badass women's hour hr on twitter and instagram you can send us an email or drop us a line on facebook we are always here to help I want to say a massive thank you to our Ooh, guest, Stacey Solomon. Do we have any more sounds for Stacey while I say <laughs> oh. that? Our producer's like, ooh, what we got? Not sure. What we got? What we got? It's a bit like a roulette. Roulette. Woo! Woo! <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Bit of Michael. <laughs> I've had the best time. Thank you so awesome. much. You've been a star. Yeah. Thank you so much. So. Coming up after the break, we'll be talking about a backdated badass, a woman from history that you really need to know about. All that and more here on Talk Radio. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Welcome back to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour and all the opinions we can muster here on Talk Radio. I'm joined by my fabulous co-hosts Emma Sexton and Nimco Ali. And this is the section of the show where we dig into a woman from history, a backdated badass. And this week it's presented by Pamela Hutchinson. And she's going to tell us about a woman that has done a series of interesting things in the creative industries. Pamela, hi. Hello. So who's your backdated badass and why? Uh, it's a woman who would be horrified by the word badass, but we will let that slide. <laughs> uh, her name was Lois Webber, and she was one of the most important film directors in the silent era, which is uh, pretty incredible because we tend to think that because there aren't many female film directors these days, that's always been the case. But actually, the mm. silent era was a bit of a, a halcyon time for female film directors. And so silent film, remind us, is that are we talking Charlie Chaplin? What, 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 give us some examples of what that might be. Charlie Chaplin is completely a contemporary of Lois Webber, but very, she made very different films. So when we think about silent cinema, we're basically talking about from 1895, really short, you know, trains coming into station type films, all the way up to sort of 1927, 1930, when sound came in. So it was a m- massive period, really. But Lois Webber was someone who started out quite early in the sort of late 1900s and was making films right up until the 1920s. So she went from making short simple films or well not that simple but you know Mm. look simple to us to features and epics okay and in 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 her her life and her career what drew her to film what was her background well um actually she had she had a a background that you wouldn't necessarily expect in that she was very heavily involved in the church army and missionary work but and she you know she is interested in the power of storytelling to sort of improve lives she she got interested in film in the early 1900s and she was mentored by a woman called Alice Guy Blaché, who was one of the first film directors, obviously a woman also. She started out as an actress and then as a screenwriter before becoming a director. And all her early films, and actually quite a lot of her films, were credited as co-directed by her husband, Philip Smalley, but it was a bit of a, an open secret uh, and actually regularly alluded to in the fan magazines that, that she was the director of these films. Mm. And in 1917, uh, she became the first woman director to own her own film studio yeah uh yeah so um, we were talking about 1917 and this was like a studio within universal universal was a great place to be a woman at that time uh between uh so that 1912 and 1919 universal made 170 films produced by women so this is a massive amount of female That's probably more than they do now yeah mm. well yeah after lois weber left the studio in the mid-20s they didn't make another film directed by a woman until i should make you guess but it's 1982 with wow, Amy Heckling's uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. That is wow. shocking. And because I'm reading here in some of our research notes that basically they're saying few men before or since have retained such absolute control over the films they have directed. And certainly no women directors have achieved the all-embracing powerful status once held by Lewis Webber. I mean, I just it really angers me that we don't know about these incredible women who've clearly shaped the film industry. Yeah. But that's intentional. That's all history. It's the fact that we don't know women that have, like, you know, like in medicine, in history, like anything at all goes 
then we might actually just get aspirations to be as badass as them. <laughs> we just <laughs> get written scary. out. Yeah. So Pamela, w- what is it about her that, um, I guess, made you want to present her to us? Well, I love her films. I mean, this is one of the important things. It's not just important that she made films, but she made brilliant films. She was right up there with the greats of the era. You know, people still remember names like Cecil B. DeMille, but, uh, and she was sort of discussed in those terms, but, but not so much. And I really like the single-mindedness of her vision. I mean, you totally hit on a good point when you're talking about, uh, you know, the creative control she had. She took care of every detail because her films meant so much to her. Mm. She made films that could be thrillingly entertaining, like a film called Suspense, which is exactly what you expect. Uh, but also films that, for her, like, highlighted social issues. And this was probably one of the reasons why she went slightly out of favour in the Roaring Twenties. Wow. Um, Again, looking at at the notes, her movies reached millions of people, so five to six million people a week. Yeah. Um, And this was in 1914. And I'm thinking, you know, five to six million people a week in 1914. That was probably a whole, like, state. That's a lot lot (laughs) of people. Yeah. Well, you know, cinema was like the big mass medium, you know, and these films, especially when you're talking about 1914, not to get too bogged down in film history detail, you're actually talking about a particularly um, it's, it's skewing towards a working class audience okay. and it's a, a very heavily throughout the silent era even more than now a very heavily female audience so Lois Webber was making films for a predominantly female audience and she her messages were quite targeted at those things I mean a lot of her films are as I say fun uh, but you know 1914 for example she made a a feature-length version of The Merchant of Venice, which is not an easy thing to uh, to mm. sell to the cinemas and the audience. I can, and so again, she uh, it comes across as very serious about her craft. So one of the quotes says, "I'll never be convinced that the general public does not want serious entertainment rather than than frivolous, frivolous, uh, and a real director should be absolute." And it's that element of. of even back then being convinced of a craft and being passionate about it um, and ca- making movies and casting women for women a, a bit like Em I, I'm shocked that I don't, I don't I've never heard of her so I'm, I'm very pleased that you presented her to us if there was one thing that you wanted us to know what else would it be one thing well, I'd almost, I'd, I'd tell you the really negative in a way, which is in 1927, someone asked her for some advice for women going into the film industry. And even though she'd made all these films, and, you know, you're right to say that she, you know, she should be remembered, her advice was, don't try it, you'll never get away with it. Oh, wow. Wow, <laughs> wow. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> yeah. mm. I wonder if women would give the same advice now. Yeah, I don't know. It's well, you know, I mean, obviously these days we're much more keen to talk about opportunities, but at that point she was very burnt. Yeah. Uh, you know, she'd done everything she could to mentor young women. I know that a lot of the stuff that we're talking about in the film industry this week, which really, I'm sure mm. you don't want to go into any... She was ca- trying to work against that kind of thing, the casting couch. She was giving opportunities for young women and keeping them safe within the industry. So, yeah, when she was working, she was doing her best She sounds tired. I mean, we've all been there when you're just tired of fighting. <laughs> you're like, tired. don't do it. I'm done. Just don't Forget do it. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much to Pamela Hutchinson, film writer and critic, for presenting Lois Weber to us. An absolute badass. So, 
we're coming towards the end of our show and as ever this week we want to leave you with something to live your life by over the next seven days some inspiration something to perk you up give you focus help you be grounded and centered and that's our badass principle for the week and this week emma is sharing our badass principle thanks for that (laughs) uh i don't know if this is going to make you grounded in fact well maybe so my badass principle this week is be visible which I think ties in nicely today what we were saying around the Twitter um, takedown, talking about, you know, just sort of like being being visible and making sure that we're heard. What does... Uh What's, uh, what do you think of that as a principle? Well, well done. Thanks. <laughs> I like it. I like it. And I'm going to um, sign off. Thank goodness. <laughs> Limco, what does be visible mean for you? Um, I think it's being loud, but I'm going to kind of quote your hero, um, Rihanna, and just like shine like a diamond. Oh, I think that's yeah. what it means to me. Um, yeah. So just being loud and being proud. Mm. So uh, for me, it's, again, going back to all the stories that we've been discussing, it's, standing up and and saying who you are and if you see a campaign that's supposed to represent you or should be representing you and you're not there put your hand up say hello here here i am don't forget me um and if they don't listen create your own campaigns create your own uh your own messaging i was really inspired by stacy when she was just sharing honestly her uh body confidence and the fact that she promotes being who you are whether you do wake up glamorous or you don't wake up glamorous and she's visualizing it she's putting it out there into the open so i really like that one thanks i do you proud yay you did do me proud i don't want to do it next week though (laughs) (laughs) it's hard work isn't it it's hard work it's hard work it really is hard work (laughs) So this has been the Badass Women's Hour with me, Natalie Campbell, stepping in for the wonderful Harriet Minter. Get well soon, Harriet. And my co-hosts have been Emma Sexton, the wonderful Emma Sexton, and Nimco Alley. Thank you so much for staying with us. As ever, we'll be back next week. But if you like us and want to hear more from us uh, in the meantime, make sure you follow us on social media. You can follow the Badass Women's Hour at Badass Women's Hour HR. That's Badass Women's Hour HR on Twitter and Facebook. Or you can find me at Nat D. Campbell, Emma. At Emma Sexton. Nimco. At Nimco Ali. And if you want to find us in real life, we're running a series of masterclasses in partnership with The Guardian. If you go to The Guardian webpage and search masterclass, you'll find a boot camp featuring myself, Emma Sexton. Nimco's just offered to come along, so you might even find her too. (laughs) But it's helping everyone that's sitting at home thinking, I want to run my own business. I want to be a freelancer. I'm not sure how to start. Or I've been doing this for a while. I'm, I'm in a bit of a rut. So that's where you can find us in person. But that's it for the show this week. You can find us here in the same time, same place, here on Talk Radio. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. On Talk Radio, she'll get you talking. Hold up, what was that? Boring, no flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.